With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. Boys are back for another, another. Color Cast live show live on a Wednesday at 7 p.m. right here in God's time zone. Have a lot of fun stuff to talk about uh, today. The opener, we're going to talk ideal kickoff time. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk on the National College Football Podcast about it because. Uh, there's a big stink going on down in Texas for that Texas-Alabama game that is going to be on big noon kickoff on Fox. So one of the big topics that were going around college football circles, college football podcasts uh, this week is the ideal kickoff time. So that's going to be our opener. We got some big news when it comes to uh, K-State football, we got some Ring of Honor uh, inductees. We got six new Ring of Honor inductees. And I had maybe one of the most controversial takes, and I shouldn't be surprised, um, I, probably the most vitriol I've ever gotten on K-State Twitter, which is fine. We will talk about that. Honestly, I love it. Um, it, it was a lot of fun today on Twitter. Uh, also, some big news. The NCAA has completely gotten rid of their initial counter limits for the next two seasons. The next two seasons when it comes to college football. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then, you know what? The NCAA is also getting rid of in football the need for divisions. So we'll talk about that as well. We'll see... Where the night takes us, if there's any time at the end, if we're under an hour, we will uh, talk maybe a little bit of K-State basketball scheduling. We got uh, our Big East opponent. We will be going to Indianapolis to play uh, the Butler Bulldogs. So meet me at St. Elmo's Steakhouse uh, sometime in late November. Already a very... uh, packed and quick heavy hitter show for some folks up here uh i mean gosh something must have happened that made you guys really want to get in here early and talk um we're gonna jump right into it but before we do again if you're listening to this right now you know we're live every wednesday 7 p.m on Colorcast. if 
you're listening on the RSS feed. Download it. Join us. I, I, actually, I should have known today was going to be a bad day because I made a joke at all of my Android friends because they're still working on that app. They're still trying to, uh, you know, get it going. You know, I I promise it eventually is going to happen. Uh, but if you're listening, it's going to happen soon. We'll be going live 7 p.m. on May the 25th. 7 p.m. on June the 1st. We're going to kick off June 1st together. June 8th, there will be no live show, but then we'll be back on it on the 15th, 22nd, and 29th. 29th. So that is what our schedule is going to be the next month and a half live shows. But let's get into it. We're going to start off with the good chef, Andre Napier. Chef, I think we also have a bit of an announcement you will be the bonehead guest on the May Q&A show coming to folks on, I think, Memorial Day on the 30th. Um, so everyone get your questions in so Chef has to answer them. But Chef, uh, big macro college football news before some of the NCAA changes were, what is the ideal kickoff time? Texas is butthurt because their home game versus Alabama is going to be big noon kickoff. So I want to know for you, what is your ideal kickoff time? Dude, I'm, I, I feel for you guys in the central time zone because you when a noon kickoff, it's really 11 for you guys, which is always kind of freaks me out. Like you get 11 a.m., that's still morning brews. Um, I'm, I'm a noon guy. I like noon, especially if I have the day off or it's all football for me. You get those noon games, you get it out of the way, and then it's just – easy sailing the rest of the day especially with a dub you're laughing at teams uh, the other teams that lose all day i'm eating good i'm i can prepare i can hang out i love noon kickoffs for for me i gotta say this i've come to love the you know 11 a.m kickoff for home games unless it's like one the one or two times a year i'm tailgating that might be happening for the missouri game so i'd like a night game for that week two game but away games uh, you know, 2.30 or evening, but I, I'm right there with you. Especially if your team wins an 11 a.m. game, there's nothing better. We're going to go to my guy, Cole. He's a young pup still out here in these streets. Cole, I know you weren't liking the 11 a.m. games. What's your ideal kickoff? Uh, for me, oh, man, I got to say, if I'm uh, at the game and I'm tailgating, um, I probably got to go a nice – Maybe 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock kickoff. I don't know what the standard actually would be. But mid-afternoon for me gives me plenty of time to tailgate before the game. I'm not a huge person on sleeping in, especially when I'm juiced up for a game. So I can roll out of bed not too early, but go get started right away with my day. Nothing I hate more than just waiting around, waiting for the party to start. Um and then you still got time after the game to recover, you know, eat a good meal and go out and party for the rest of the night. Um, however, I will say if I'm not at the game, and especially since moving away out here in the mountain time zone, those 10 o'clock kickoffs, it feels pretty weird. But part of me doesn't hate it because especially if I don't have plans, I'm just watching it at my place. Maybe a buddy's coming over. I don't have to sit around all day and wait for the game to start and just, you know, sit around with nothing to do or sit around and be nervous. So ideally probably around mid afternoon. I love it. I love it. All right. It's time to go to Callie Mike, who 
Cali Mike, you know, out there in the Bay Area, those 11 a.m. games for us, the noon East Coast kickoffs, that's 9 a.m. for you. Uh, what is your ideal kickoff time as a fan? So I used to I, – I'm going to shock a lot of people here, I think. I used to be like, you know, what the fuck with the 9 a.m. kickoff. But, you know, it's sort of different for me because I host the watch parties here in San Francisco. And uh, I was able to get my host bar to open up that early for the game. They're They're, like, super gracious. And they serve breakfast, which is excellent. So I've really grown to like the 9 a.m. kickoff. The biggest problem is getting people to my watch parties. So sometimes I'll be sitting there alone for a good hour and a half, two hours waiting. Uh, And then people roll in at halftime, which kind of sucks. But honestly, having the rest of the day available after the game, especially if we win, is excellent. Um, So I'm not opposed to the 9 a.m. That's first and foremost. But Ideal is probably like, you know, um, probably the 2.30 kickoff. So I roll into the bar at noon um, and then get some lunch and some beers. Shout out where you do host that in case there's a Bay Area cat listening who does not yet know about the famous Cali Mike watch party. It's the Richmond Republic Draft House out on 8th and Clement in the inner Richmond of San Francisco. I love it. All right, we're going to our guy, Will Dubois. Willie, Willie, first off, happy belated birthday. Hope you had a great one. What's your ideal kickoff time, my friend? Hey, appreciate it, Scott. Um, I would say my ideal kickoff time is probably in a three to six uh, kind of time zone depending on how big the game is. The bigger the game, put it a little bit later, make it a bit more of a night game. But there's a reason why, you know, around 3 o'clock was the standard kickoff time for over 100 years until TV really started getting involved. Um, I just think that that's the ideal time. Although, you know, you're getting uh, to watch football at any time is always great. So it's it's a good time to watch football anytime it's on. But that's kind of the ideal time in, in my mind. I think the original kickoff time before TV was actually one thirty, not 3. But, but I do understand, you know, the love for that uh, afternoon kickoff. So I hear you there. Um, well, Mr. W- Mr. Wildcat, I was actually looking back at some. Oh, no. Oh, no. A long time ago. And uh, I, you do see a variety of times. Uh, but you see, you see 3 o'clock. So you see some earlier ones. It kind of depends on the day and what's going on and if there's, you know, parades stuff but uh, definitely not 11 a.m was not a standard time yeah no i i I hear you there we're gonna go to hayes hayes i think is the only current student in the house um i i we have a lot of recent grads but i think hayes is still the only one who's in school hayes senior year next year what's your ideal kickoff time um i'm pretty much what i think it was joel said like, if you're going in person, I think the, the 2.30 is the standard afternoon. That one's great because I love a good 11 a.m. getting up at 4 o'clock to go – or 5 o'clock, whatever, to go get in line. But you just – you take a little bit to get juiced up, and the 2.30 one, you're ready to go second year out of bed. It just sucks a little bit because you miss every other game that day, like early and late kicks. So you got to have a full charge walking in. But um, if I'm watching on TV, it's definitely 11 because I can't sit around and wait for a game. And then if we lose, 
I can brush it off by the night games. And if we win, then I'm just ready to go the whole day. I love it. We're going to Drew Galloway, who is an esteemed credentialed media member. Drew, as a media member, what's the ideal kickoff time? I mean, as a member of the media now, like 11 a.m. is so good because, like, the reason they everybody else has said, like, you, you, they win, like, we're done by, like, 3.30, 4 o'clock. You got the rest of the day to do whatever you want. But, like, when I was in college, like, 2.30, 6, 7, any of those times, like, you could really, like, get up, move around because, you know, Friday night, so then you wake up, tailgate all day, like, nighttime was the best then but now now it's like done a complete 180 like now it's 11 a.m best time yeah no i i've definitely evolved there all right we got two more for this before we get into the meat of it we're going to my guy the coffee fiend nick nick military man saving the world what's your ideal kickoff time uh if it's in person i like a good 11 a.m um well no sorry take that back if I'm watching on TV, it's 11 a.m., go to the game, come back, have some dinner, hang out. And then if it's a watching on TV, uh, probably in the afternoon, evening, just so I can have the morning of my day to do whatever I need to do and then come back and watch a Cats victory. I love it. Now we're going to my guy, Joel. Joel, Casey Catbackers, uh, I think it is next Tuesday. Are you going to be there? Oh, sheesh. I might have to try. All right, well, you know, slide in the DMs. I don't know if anyone else – well, hey, Will, Will, Kansas City Catbackers on uh, Tuesday, uh, Shawnee Mission Park, be there, B-Square, Tang, Van Malone, and Scott Wildcat will be there. Joel, what's your ideal kickoff time? Yeah, I love 2.30. Um, if I'm being really honest, though, my favorite, like, kickoff to watch is, like, Pac-12 after dark, after a long day, just settle in. It's, it's pretty good every time. Oh boy, am I muted? I probably am. No, I'm not. Okay, not. good, good deal. I, I, I was, I, I was in the chat. I was in the chat. I'll pull up the details for the Kansas City Catbacker event because um, I, I got to say this. Uh, I uh, so Monday's show is going to be the uh, trivia episode. It's already recorded. Dan, who is involved with the Kansas City Catbackers, was a contestant. He had a great pitch on it. Uh, but I think it's going to be fun. I, I will pull it up. I will say this, and, and but before we get into it, I do think there needs to be 24 hours worth of college football. I want a 9 a.m. game. Give me like an FCS game on the East Coast. And then give me a Hawaii game. Just give me wall-to-wall college football. That's what I love. And then hey, Hayes is going to be a Kansas City Cat this summer. I love it. All right, let's get into it, though. This is the big one. And this is why it is in slot number one, because this could go long. I don't know. Um, K-State is uh, putting in six new members of the Ring of Honor. Uh, And I'll say this before I get into my take. I don't think that there is anything inherently wrong about any of these six guys, but I do have a take on two of them. So the folks going in, Arthur Brown of that magical 2011-2012 season, Then you have Larry Brown, a running back from 1967 to 1968. Then you have Darren Howard, 96 to 99. 
the offensive coordinator, Colin Klein. Here's a, here's a mild take. Colin Klein shouldn't be going up there because he can't go down there, be part of the presentation and all that jazz because he's going to be coaching. Come on. give. I mean, his wife is going to have to take all the honor for him. Then you got tiny little baby Tyler Lockett from 2011 to 2014. And then you have L. Roberson from 2000 to 2003. I'm going to get my two takes out there. I will let anyone have any take they want on Ring of Honor. If you want to use your time to roast me, that is completely fine. A lot of people on the internet already did that. Um, You can agree with me, or you can say whatever you want about this group. It it is a safe space here for everyone except for me, because I'll allow people to roast me. There are two things I want to put out there. The first one is uh, with Larry Brown. He's getting the Steve Grogan treatment. This guy didn't do anything at K-State. He had... 165 yards receiving, 678 yards rushing. He only had two total touchdowns at K-State in his two years. He did go on to get the 1972 MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. He was a three-time All-Pro guy, a four-time Pro Bowl guy. But I have a lot of issues with him and Steve Grogan going up there because they were nothing special at all at K-State. They're going up there specifically for their NFL honors. I don't think that belongs up there. The other take I had, and this is the one that pissed off a lot of folks, but a lot more folks quietly agreed with me than you would think. L. Roberson going up there. He was never better than a third-team All-Big 12 player. And this is all I'm going to say. I am not against L. Roberson going up on the Ring of Honor. I am not anti-L. Roberson. He is one of my favorite K-State players of all time. But when you look at the list of players who are consensus All-Americans, regular All-Americans, multi-time, first-team, all-Big 12-type guys, and he's going up before them, I have a little bit of an issue with that. You know, I have a little bit of an issue with that. I think if K-State would have done a better job recognizing players a little bit quicker, putting them up on Ring of Honors, or, and I'm going to say this, I don't think it would be a horrible thing if you made the Ring of Honor so illustrious that you had to be a consensus All-American. You'd have to pry off Steve Grogan and maybe, no, I think Sean Snyder was a a consensus All-American. You'd have to take off Steve Grogan. You'd have to take off a handful of other folks. If you made it so illustrious that only the best of the best, only the folks with the highest accolades went up there, I wouldn't have an issue with it. If you're going to be putting some of these folks up there, I think that there is at least 8 to 12 guys who should be going up before L. Roberson. I'm not anti-L. Roberson, but that's my take. I put it on Twitter. I'm also going to put it on the podcast and folks, in case folks want to roast me for it when they listen or tonight. Those are my takes. Uh, it is what it is. I put them out there. We're going to go to the good chef, Andre Napier, next. Chef, say whatever you want about these six guys. And again, five of the six are top-tier K-State Wildcats. I'm not yeah, taking I'm- that away from L. No, you can't take it away from L. I will say when you say that he was at best third team, all Big 12, the quarterbacks that were ahead of him those years were kind of elite Big 12 quarterbacks. So, I mean, you got one that won the Heisman. Um, I think Cliff Kingsbury at the time, like, broke all the records yeah, and was and, the all-time. And that is very fair. That, that, was a, that, was, that was a good call out that not only you had, but some other folks had. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that no, is No, you're valid. fine. I, I think that was the only issue that I had. The, the running back, I never heard of him before today. So that one kind of caught me off guard. I w- was expecting to look at his stats and be like, oh, shit, he was. And, and 
to see even if he was like one of the first black players in the Big 12, but it wasn't the case at all. So, um, yeah, I was confused by that. Um, I would have loved to see like maybe his name get replaced with like Kevin Lockett or something like that. Maybe the Lockets go in together. That would have been kind of a good little story right there. Um, but yeah, I don't see anything wrong with what you said other than um, L. Roberson kind of got overshadowed with elite Big 12 quarterback play while he was in school. And he was one of my favorite players growing up um, watching. So it just was, I had mixed mixed feelings about it because he is good, but maybe he, he could have waited, you know? Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll go to Joel next. Joel, uh, any thoughts on these six? Um, so yeah, let's just hear your, get all your takes out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate it. I think L definitely would eventually get up there. Maybe, maybe, maybe not in this class. I don't know how you put him up above like Jeff Kelly and Kevin Lockett. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, but yeah. And then that running back, I, it's not the NFL greatness award or whatever. It's, it's, I, I don't get it at all, but I don't know. I'm just happy we're doing something. Finally. It's been like what? Seven years. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So the last time it, the last class to go up there was 2015. So yeah, it's been seven years. So I, I'll even say this about um, Kevin Lockett. Kevin Lockett, you know, he he had all these K-State records for the longest time. He led the Big 12 in receptions. But he wasn't even an All-American. He was first-team All-Big 12, and he was a two-time uh, academic All-American. But even him, when, when you're looking at all these names, and you think, oh, shit, even Kevin Lockett wasn't an All-American. Uh, but someone else who was never an All-American went up in front of him. I, I mean, I don't know. I... I have a tough time with it, but I also agree with this. I think it would have been hella cool to get him and Tyler up there on the same day. We're going to go to the coffee fiend, Nick, next. Nick, uh, thoughts on the Ring of Honor for this class? And actually, I'm, I'm now going to stop. I'm going to stop editorializing. I'm going to just let you guys get your takes out here because I have the <laughs> platform. I'm going to I'm going to stop editorializing. Um, honestly, the first – the Larry Larry Brown is it right? Um, didn't know until obviously I saw it on Twitter. Um, honestly, the the whole putting them on there just for the NFL honors is kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. If we're gonna start honoring these guys that really didn't have much to contribute or did contribute but not much to all Big Twelve or All American status, we need to start with the foundation of the 1989 football roster. Um, those guys paved the way for the success and for the uh, for what we have today. Um, we wouldn't have it without them. And then for, you know, L. Roberson, I mean, it, he's one of my favorite players. Uh, it was fun to watch him as a kid, but at the same time, I think it was a PR stunt, uh, just in the sense of K-State, I believe, the program wanted to create some buzz and get people talking and get, you know, some good positive feedback into the ring of honor. And I, I just think that, uh, like you said, there's other people that are more deserving. Not that L wasn't deserving. It's just his time could have came later. We will go next to Colorado Cole. Colorado Cole, any takes? I mean, I'm kind of even keel on 
pretty much the whole situation. Obviously, there's probably guys that should have been in there before L. Roberson, but, you know, he's a quarterback of a Big 12 championship winning team. So it's really hard to make a true argument to get that against that. You know, records get broken, but trophies last forever. So I'm kind of in the same boat as a lot of you guys. Um, I don't have a problem with it. Just seems like there maybe should have been people before him or some of these other guys. Um, but I'd really like to know what's like their decision-making process and why is this not more of a, you know, standard rotation thing where it's like every two years or every four years or something like that. Um, so I'd love to be a part of those conversations. Yeah. So I, I will say this, that I know there is a committee um, Gene Taylor's talked about it, usually more talking about basketball, but there's a committee of folks who uh, throw names around and there is a voting process. I think once upon a time, there was a uh, standard of uh, either being a consensus All-American, comma, or make a sizable impact to K-State football. So that's kind of the clause that got Steve Grogan in, and I think what's getting Larry Brown in. I think they're going to move to a point where it is going to be much more uh, open. Again, I think that's how you're going to. Oh, and you and you had to graduate. You had to have your degree, so that's part of the reason why it's taken Michael. Bit it took Michael Bishop a while to get up there. I think that's the only thing that's still a ding against two-time consensus All-American uh, Chris Canty. So I think I don't know if that is still a uh, requisite or not, but. Those were the old uh, thresholds. We're going to go to Drew next. Drew, any takes on uh, the six new members to the Ring of Honor? I mean, the, this one for me, like, I texted my parents as soon as the class got announced. I was like, I think that this is the best class that K-State's had going into the Ring of Honor. And, I mean, we all saw all the accolades that everybody has on Twitter when they posted it. And then, I mean... For um, Jim Brown, or for him, like uh, what it is is like K State only has like a select few, if like any other one of like NFL MVPs, and I think that that's a good thing for K State for their brand to promote is that hey, we have this NFL MVP. Like, no, he didn't necessarily have the best college career, but you still need to push that. And, like, that's one thing that K-State probably should have pushed more is, like, hey, we have an NFL MVP from this time period because that's something, like, not a lot of K-State fans, I think, knew about until today. And I think that's what is kind of the more overarching thing is, like, nobody really knew about that until just now. And I think think that is completely fair. Um, I will say this. I think that the last class to go in there is tough to beat because that class was Michael Bishop, Jordy Nelson, Clarence Scott, and Darren Sproles. I think that's a tough one to beat. But again, ultimately, I see the argument for all of them. I'll stop editorializing because I said I was going to stop that. We're going to go to Hayes, and then we'll end this one with Callie Mike. So I'm usually like the last person to try to keep people out of like Ring of Honor, Hall of Fame stuff, I usually think it's perfectly fine if more people come in. Like, 
I, I think the only people that benefit from keeping Ring of Honor or whatever you want to call it um, classes low are like the diehard fans that are thinking about other people. But really, like the impact um, nationwide or anyone that like comes in the program or maybe even recruits is definitely going to be a net gain if there's more people in there, if they're like even half deserving. I mean, I went to the Oak State game this year. The maybe something was going on, but the only name up there was Thurman Thomas. They don't even have the best running back of all time. Um, <clears throat> but I just think it's I think it's fine if they add them, and I get why they added the old dude. Um, sorry, I can't remember his name because I didn't know who he was until today. Yep, Larry Brown. Yeah, and it's awesome. And I know I bet they did it because they can say like we have these stats from our Ring of Honor. Um, but yeah. Yep. No, I, I, I totally get that. And again, I think probably, nope, there I am editorializing again. Callie Mike, stop me from talking. This is your guys' show tonight. I, uh, I'm going to have to invite you back to editorialize after my comments, I think. Um, I don't have a huge issue with this class or, you know, any of the folks that are up there. I would argue that, you know, even if Kevin Lockett didn't have like huge accolades, um, think of the impact that he's had on K-State football just, you know, with sending um, Tyler and Sterling's coming. We're hoping for a huge delivery from him. And then the twins, I assume that they're going to become the K-State. Um, so, you know, Kevin Lockett just alone on contributions should be up there. Um, but I ask you this, like, do you equate the Ring of Honor to the jersey and the rafters for basketball? Yes. Yeah. So you do. So then what is the argument for Michael Beasley? That's Uh, my question. Big 12 player of the year consensus, all American. I think he led the nation in rebounds. Uh, He was, had the single greatest season in K-State basketball history. Um, So I, I think he has the accolades with the points though. Like his, I was just looking at his stats for the one year and um, I don't know. Maybe I'm way off. Maybe he did have like just an incredible year. I mean, but it, I don't know. I mean, like, it, it was in the NBA. I, I don't care about the NBA. And, and hell, I, I'm going to say this. He was way better in the NBA than folks want to give him credit for. He averaged like 13 points a game. But this is this is what he did his, his one year at K-State. He played 31 minutes a game. He shot 53% from the field. He scored... Uh, he had 12.5 rebounds a game, 26 points a game, uh, 1.5 blocks a game, a steal a game, and an assist a game. It, it was the statistically the greatest season in the history of K-State basketball. And again, consensus All-American, Big 12 Rookie of the Year, Big 12 Player of the Year, consensus All-American got robbed for being the na- National Player of the Year. So uh, I, again, I... I, I get that. I, and, and my dad is one of the people who are in there who, who say one year, that's not enough. Uh, I, and and I, I understand that. And, and go, go ahead. I'm not in that camp, actually. I, I absolutely would put Beasley in the rafters. I was just asking the question based on this idea of like, um, you know, maybe, I mean, Beasley's not a good example. Um, just, just with Larry Brown, like, you know, taking into account the, the production after they leave K-State, you know, I think you've got to, like, take that into account. Basically. Yeah, 
and, and that's fair. And, and and I've and I've said the same thing about I've said the stuff about Steve Grogan, and a lot of folks have kind of said, "Hey, no." Um, ultimately, like like I've said, and we're going to move on after this. Ultimately, I see the argument for all six of them. Uh, there is a list of at least eight to twelve guys I would have put in before. Uh, I, I'm giving credence or thinking about L. Roberson or Larry Brown. That's just me. But guess what? This is the great thing about uh, K-State Twitter, K-State uh, message boards and all this type of stuff. I saw someone who actually criticized uh, my take uh, because it caused such a such a rumble. There are a lot of folks who, who didn't like it. This is what I'm going to say. I love how passionate K-State fans are. K-State Twitter is, and I, I, I love it because, again, they go to bat for their own. You know, L. Roberson was so many people's favorite player of all time, and me saying, oh, he never did better than a third-team all-conference and kind of doing the devil's, uh, you know, argument against him just created a fever pitch, and I absolutely love that. I think that is one of the most fun things about K-State Twitter, the online community, and all that type of stuff. Even though I th- I lost, I-, I checked it because I'm one of those psychos who keeps track of who follows you on Twitter. I lost seven followers very shortly after that take. So I do think it's funny. I do love it. But let's move on. And these aren't nearly as fun, but they are pretty big news. The NCAA has officially, for the next two seasons, and I believe... And we have a uh, we we have a recruiting expert in here, so he might be able to correct me if I'm wrong. For the next two seasons, they are getting rid of the initial counter rule. It used to be you could only add 25 new guys to your scholarship team or scholarship roster every single year and staying under the 85. This year it went up to 32, assuming you had folks transfer away. Drew, I'm going to go to you first. Is the first season for this 2022, or is it 2023, the first year this goes into place? Um, I'll need to double check, but I thought that it was going to be 2023, but that's not 100%. I'm going to look it up right now. That's fine. I'll ask you this before we send it out to the folks. Uh, The first thing that came to my mind is uh, KU fans – need to celebrate and they don't they're never going to be able to have the excuse of oh bad recruiting in the past because they'll be able to get back up to 85 but what are going to be the uh unintended consequences if any you foresee coming from this rule change in the ncaa i mean the unintended consequence is that a school like alabama georgia texas texas a&m question mark sort of comes in and they can just sign as many kids as they want and they run off the kids that they had that were freshmen that didn't produce enough as as a true freshman and they just end up loading up on four and five stars like like it's nothing because they can bring in 35 40 new kids if they want but and like transfers a, yeah and that that's just like a, an unintended consequence but for schools like KU, schools like K-State who aren't at the 85 right now, like it's it's a good thing because that's the only way that they're going to be able to get to 85 with this new kind of transfer market now. 
is that you need to have more counters because like we've seen what case eight has right now they're at 31 i believe counters for this class and they're still going to be four or five scholarships short of 85 yep so i'll say this this completely ends the uh stance i had on this most recent show where I recorded where I said maybe we're seeing the signs of the transfer portal slowing down because you didn't see this massive influx of folks joining the portal in the spring. I think that is now absolutely dead. Uh, You're only going to see more and more folks in the portal. That's kind of my opinion. We'll do, uh, this can be a quicker take if you guys want because we do have uh, some bigger NCAA news to talk about after this and uh, basketball if we want, but we're going to start with Chef. Chef, are you for this rule, against this rule, or do you have any take on this? I, I'm very neutral with this because, like Drew was saying, that like the top teams are going to be able to hoard talent. They kind of do that already as it is, but the thing with the transfer portal, um, you're going to get kids that – want to come in and play right away that's the number one reason why uh players entered the transfer portal i i would assume other than homesickness but the teams like bama if you're going to bring kids in from the transfer portal they're going to want to play doesn't matter if there's seven more of them or not there's only 22 spots on the field so where are they going to play they're not going to be able to so they're still going to recruit the number one high school players in the country and bring those guys in. But these transfers that weren't getting time at Memphis or uh, UT San Antonio that are really good players like that, either they're going to go to Bama because they know they're going to play, or they're going to level up just a slight bit where they're going to get on the field but get uh, recognition more than they would at the lower level. So I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think Alabama's going to benefit more from – the extra counters, I think it is going to be the K-States, the Iowa States that are going to flourish in this because they'll be able to add more players that are more depth pieces rather than uh, elite level players. We'll go now to Hayes. Hayes, do you see any, uh, do you have any worry about the initial counter rule going away for the next few seasons? No, I, I think it's at worst fine. It's not going to, I don't, see it doing anything bad or uh, decreasing parity at all um i know you didn't ask about it but um i've seen in conjunction with that scholarship amounts raising and i think that would be a massive mistake and very bad but uh this is just fine yeah i'll say this if scholarship limits go up so if it goes up from 85 uh mail it in it's it's over um but but we're not going to worry about that. We'll go to Nick next. Nick, any any uh, hot takes on the initial counter rule going away? Uh, no, not really. Not at the moment. Um, sorry, I'm trying to put dinner away. So yeah. I'm kind of and, and, and I saw, getting I, this done. I saw the chat. I'll, I'll skip you. We'll come back to you the next time. Nick is one of our awesome. most dedicated boneheads, and I absolutely love him. We're going to Cali Mike. And then we'll end with Cole on this one. Callie, Mike, any worries about the initial counter rule going away? I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I agree with most of what everyone said here. You know, hopefully K-State can sort of take advantage of whatever these changes create 
um, again, like these, the blue bloods are, they do what they do already and they're, you know, probably going to screw us anyway. So. All right. And then Cole, before we get into what I think is the bigger news coming from the NCAA today, any, any takes on the initial counter rule going away? Definitely not really any hot takes. I mean, it just kind of seems like a rule change that is only going to affect a specific situation. You know, maybe if you're a top five team, you can cut some guys loose to be able to pick up some better guys. Or if you're like a bottom tier team and you lose a bunch of dudes and you need to figure out how to fill your roster. But I feel like for probably 90% of teams out there, this rule won't really impact much. Um, And hopefully that's the case. All right, here's the uh, last topic that I had on the schedule. We'll see uh, what all goes into it. Um, The NCAA also today came out and said that they are getting rid of the rule uh, saying that you have to have division champions for a conference championship game in football if you have uh, 12 members or more. On the surface, this may seem like, okay, you know, that's not going to really change much. But this now opens the door to a scheduling model that a lot of folks on college football Twitter uh, have really wanted to see with the abolishment of divisions. And that is having three protected rivalries. Some folks go as far as pods. Uh, Some folks are saying, oh, protected rivalries. There's a little bit of nuance difference between that. But ultimately, the scheduling model would be you play the same three protected teams every single year in football and then your other six games will rotate around the other uh you know members of the conference so in the big 12 in the future big 12 with 12 teams you would rotate around the other eight members you would get to play everyone three times every four years and then you play your protected rivalries every single year now there are a lot of folks who love that, but there has been some pushbacks from some folks saying that they are going to miss divisions if it comes to be. So the first question to you guys is going to be, do you want divisions or do you want this protected rivalry pot of three games and rotate everything else around? And again, this would keep one versus two in football championship games. So there would be no uh, sneaking into conference championship games if you're in the worst of the two divisions. We're going to start with Drew. Uh, Nick, put in the chat when you're ready to talk again because I, I, I don't want to skip you, but we'll, we'll come to you late. But Drew, what is your take on this ruling and what do you want to see the Big 12 do? I mean, I, I love the no divisions and just let the two teams that have the best records move on to the conference championship game. I mean, I, when the big 12 decided to expand, like that was the first thing that I texted my friends. I said, I hope that they do this, but like, as long as there's no divisions and then we have three protected rivalries for every school. That way, if you have like this long standing rivalry, like K-State does with KU and with Iowa state, like you still play every year. Like, I, I think that that's fine. All right. We're going to Nick next, Nick. I think you have said you're a traditionalist. You were looking forward to the divisions coming back. I could be misremembering that, but what's your yeah. take? No, you're correct. Um, I, I do like the divisions. I grew up with the divisions, obviously. But um, more and more as we talk about it and just 
thinking logically and just common sense, I'm more adapting to the idea of having the three protected rivals. In my instance, I would love KU, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State, um, and then rotate. So, I mean, if that's what college football is going towards now, then I'm all for it. So, Well, someone must have been looking at my sheet because we will uh, all claim the rivals that we want to have. We're going to uh, – we'll go to Hayes next. Hayes, are you team division or are you team protected rivalries? I hate divisions. Protected rivalries are the best. Pods would be kind of fun, too. I just don't know the logistics of that. Like, there might be a team that doesn't feel like they have their rivals there. But it would be cool to, like, win your pod and claim that. But divisions suck in all of college football. The SEC West is miles – or SEC East is miles better than the – did I just get that wrong? I don't know. One of them is miles better than the other. The – Big Ten has the same thing. The Pac-12 is the only one that's decently, like, the same. It, they just – they ruin so much about the end of football. They make conf- they make conference championship games suck. They allow teams to get in that shouldn't get in. It's just having the one and two – the true one and two play is better in every scenario. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I, I think pods – would be good if you had consensus about who the rivals would be. You know, I'll get into this a a bit, but I I don't think Oklahoma State – well, actually, I know Iowa State would not want to be in the pod that I would try to put them in. Um, I I think that would actually be ideal is having pods, but I just don't think that the logistics would work out that way unless you get up to 16. Then I think you can go pods – um, but that's just my opinion. We'll go next to we'll go uh, Colorado Cole. Yeah, I mean, I definitely kind of agree with what everyone else said. It just makes way too much sense. I mean, you definitely want your best two teams playing in the conference championship game, especially if we're talking, you know, having a potential spot in a playoff. Um, and maybe in the scenario of an expanded playoff where it might be a little bit more feasible for a team to do that. Um, but it just sucks, like, seeing teams in the Big Ten championship and the SEC championship that you feel like don't really deserve to be there. It just kind of takes a lot of air out of that championship game. Yep, I agree with you, and I think we're going to be seeing those changes in 2023. I think it is Callie Mike, and then we'll finish this off with the good chef. Callie Mike, are you a division man or a rivalry man? Um, I think if this were the 90s, you know, I'd still be clamoring for the the divisions because, you know, like Nick said, you know, I grew up with the Big 12 North and South, and, you know, it was a little different back then. You know, you didn't have, like – I think, you know, when I was growing up, Oklahoma was pretty down uh, for a lot of the 90s, I think, or at least a good portion of the 90s. And, um, you know, you didn't have it where they were saying, OU and Texas were going to be I mean, the top two every year. The North, especially early on, was the more dominant of the two divisions. Yeah, you had Nebraska and then K-State came on and Colorado was pretty good too. Um, and so, you know, back then, I really enjoyed it. 
Um, but nowadays, you know, it just doesn't make sense anymore. So I'm all about uh, the protected rivals and one and two in the championship. All right, Chef, uh, get, give us your final take, and then we're going to get everyone to claim their uh, rivals. So we'll actually well, – y- 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 we'll, we'll double up on you. You, you tell me if you're uh, – rivalries divisions pods whatever and then uh, give me if we do go to three rivals in the new big 12 who do you want those three to be okay well i want to take you back on a trip down memory lane when we first started doing these live shows i brought to the idea of kicking oklahoma and texas out and bringing pods together with i picked the wrong teams the teams were way off i was picking kentucky and shit like that but I was always a proponent of bringing the pods together. Get your three teams that you like, you were buddy-buddy with, you get into those pods, you fight those out, and then you just kind of go 3-5-5. Or, well, I had 14 teams. So, yeah, 3-5-5, and you would just duke it out. And that was my that was my take on it. I'm always a proponent of pods. I think it's more fun. It kind of rotates, and it gets it makes it easier, for especially for, like, the Big 12, more geographical so you're not necessarily just like east west whatever get rid of those stupid divisions where it doesn't make any sense but you get the pods together and then you get your protected rivalry so mine would be obviously ku uh not missouri jesus christ uh ku iowa state and then i would go oklahoma state i kind of like that i like the pokes i like when they're up and I like when they're really good. So I like beating the hell out of them. If we ever get the chance to, it's been a while, but yeah, I like those three. So not going selfish and picking Cincinnati. Well, you know, I would, but I don't in bas- If If we're talking basketball, yes. Give me them. Cause if, if we're just doing regional, Jesus, give me Iowa state, West Virginia and Cincinnati. And we play them <laughs> on the road every year. Uh, I love you, Chef. We're going to go down to Nick. Nick, in the new Big 12, who do you want your three protected rivalries to be? Yes, it would be KU, I would say, and the Pokes. But um, I was trying – didn't want to interrupt anybody else. But the getting rid of divisions kind of makes it logistically uh, sense in the sense of, you know, West Virginia flying all the way down to Utah and vice versa, and it's it's just going to be, one, it's going to be good on the players and the coaching staff and the fan base to not fly from West Virginia all the way to uh, Utah. But other than that, I mean, yeah, that's – I just wanted to get that out there, but yeah, those are my three, three rivals. Don't, don't forget that I think Central Florida is going to be the farthest yes. drive from anybody to BYU. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, for sure, that's – going to be insane for anybody that wants to take that track well i i actually think we should make byu rivals with west virginia and uh ucf because i think it'd be hilarious that sucks for them. uh yeah no it, and, and and this is just football scheduling i i'm still not 100 sure how basketball schedules are going to look uh but we'll talk about that another time we'll go to drew next drew who do you want the three uh protected rivalries to be and I will say this, it is not a done deal that the Big 12 is going to go this way. I think the Pac-12 is the only one to officially announce this. But if folks go back and listen 
to my interview with Gene Taylor from a couple months ago, he did bring this up even before it was mainstream. So I know they're talking about it, but if it were to happen, who would your three teams be? I mean, not to bang on the drum, but I, I'd also go KU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. I just think that those are the three teams that K-State historically has played the most games against. And, like, it just feels like everything's normal, like, when we're all playing. Like, competitively. So, oh, yeah. Like, they're competitive. Like it, yeah, they're, all three teams are pretty historically competitive as well. So, like, Other than those KU. three make the most sense. Uh, Other than yeah. KU, sorry. Nick's getting feisty. I love it. We'll go to uh, Colorado. Cole next. Cole, who are your three? Um, it's hard to deviate from the one trio that makes the most sense, but I'll just try to get creative and come up with something on the fly to switch it up on you guys. Um, so let's say. Give me Tech, O-State, and KU. See, I'll say this. I think Texas Tech does make some sense. You have the history with the very first Big 12 game. There's been a lot of crossovers when you look at administrators going back and forth between the two schools. But I I, I just I, – I could not stop playing KU or Iowa State. We, we have just played them way too many times to give that up. But that's just my take. We'll go to Hayes, and then we'll close this one out with Callie Mike. It, yeah, the answer is obviously KU and Iowa State, and then if there's a third, Oak State. But if I had to pick someone else, I I feel like I always get up for the Tech game. But kind of a sneaky thing about this is the massive competitive advantage we're getting from Surefire wins every single year if we get those protected rivalries, and I can't wait for that. Yeah, I I think a lot of folks are going to want to play KU as their protected rival. It will be interesting because I'll say this. I Actually, we'll go to we'll, – we'll finish with Callie Mike, and then I'll give my final take on this, and then we'll have an exit question. Uh, Callie Mike, are you keeping with those three, or, you know, are you wanting BYU to play in the mountains? What 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 is your three? Yeah, um, I mean, if, if OU weren't leaving, they would be in my – three honestly um even though you know they're you know they're generally the top of the league at least recently but i just feel like we always play them really well and that's a great game but since they're leaving um i'd say ku iowa state and i would throw in byu um just because um i want to switch it up and i feel like you know one of the best uh rivalries i felt we had in the past was colorado and, um, you know, just geographically, BYU is pretty close to that area. And um, I just like to renew that sort of feeling, you know what I'm saying, playing in the mountains. Yeah, I hear you. Hayes, I see you're unmuted. Oh, my bad. Oh, no, you're good. I thought you had, I thought you had something to say. Um, I, I'm just going to throw this out there before we have our exit question. Um, I have been on a couple podcasts that have featured Oklahoma State fans in this question has popped up they do they almost never put k-state down as part of their three so it will be interesting to see how this transpires if it transpires and if it indeed will be oklahoma state i i have it on pretty good authority if the protected rivalries are to happen 
K-State and KU would keep that going, and Farmageddon would continue going. The third one is the one where things could get a little interesting, and it will be something to keep an eye out. I would say this. I would look for an announcement to come either in late May, early June, and if it gets to mid-June with nothing, maybe have an eye on Big 12 Media Days in mid-July about future scheduling and how this all will, will work. Um, all right, uh, not a lot of time left, so we'll just kind of go around the room. K-State is going to be playing at Butler for the Big East Big 12 Challenge. They have a new coach as well, Thad Mata. Um, we're, we're getting close to the time where we are going to be getting the full K-State basketball schedule, uh, conference games included. So we'll just kind of go around. We'll start with Chef. Chef, thoughts about going to Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana on a Wednesday at the end of November. And then just give me vibe check. We've been doing vibe check. So vibe check with the basketball squad. Okay, I'll leave vibe check for a little bit because it might get crazy. But um, Butler, Indianapolis, that's a stone's throw away from where I'm at right now. So I can... I can chuck a football or a basketball right there, and you can see I'll it be from right your there. House. Oh, I can definitely, dude. I got binocular eye vision. I can see it right now. And okay, Sarah me, Palin. You could see me courtside right now, wearing the lavender jersey, bouncing up and down right next to Scott Wildcat, and we're going crazy when we're up like thirty-four and with four minutes left in the second half. Double fist and beers, everything. I don't know if Hinkle Fieldhouse allows beers. Um, do you want to give me vibe check or do you want me to come back to that? Chance? Well, I mean, it's the vibe check is not great. It's not great. But the way we're building the team with the, I mean, got to give a shout out to KSL. I'm going to beat you to it because you haven't said KSO yet. So I'm going to say it for you. Shout out to KSO. They drop all the great info. We're going to have a team with, a 5'8 point guard, and the rest of our team is going to be over 6'7. We're not going to have any shooting guards. We're just going to rebound, throw it off, throw it off the glass, Frank Martin style, and just rebound and put the ball back. That's what we're going to do. And I, I'm not mad at it, but it's not what I expected a Jerome Tang recruiting class to look like. I know it's his first one and it's kind of short and he has to rebuild, but it's not what I was expecting. Um, maybe next year will be great. Rodney Perry, do do your job. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, I, I I I I'm with you with the recruiting, and then I think Amaja Gibson is going to DePaul. I don't know if I saw that right. Uh, someone in the chat confirm if that if that's a done deal. If that's the case, head scratching. But again, I'm not jumping off the bandwagon. I, I'm keeping my head strong. We're gonna gonna go to Nick next. Nick, are you gonna be able to uh, you know do do some armed force business in Indiana on a Wednesday night in November? Chef's host. He chef's picking up the tab at St. Elmo's Steakhouse, Let's so go. he's gonna be there. Let's go, Chef. So the army gives me at least thirty days of paid leave every year. So it didn't. It doesn't really matter what days I take leave. So I may just have to put some two or three days worth of leave and head up to Indianapolis and hang out with. You, Mr. Wildcat, and the good chef. I love it. Uh, any vibe check with basketball right now? Um, I'm with 
chef just in the sense of I'm waiting to see how the actual roster plays out. But then once – I mean, once basketball season gets here, I'm going to be fired up anyway. So that's where I'm at. All right, we'll go to Hayes next. Hayes, Cats uh, at uh, Butler Hinkle Fieldhouse. Uh, I think they modeled it after Ahern, actually. Uh, any thoughts on that game and basketball vibe, Jack? Well, that game's pretty cool. Any uh, Power 5 or whatever, Power 6 um, game you can get in the non-con is pretty awesome. Um, vibe check, not great. Uh, I haven't been on KSO in a while, so maybe I need to check back in. But um, it's, it's not it's not lovely. We, I think maybe we got our hopes up a little too high. Like It's fine. It's pretty good. But I still trust in the staff and I think we'll put something together and be pretty all right. But yeah, it's not the best vibes. We'll go to Cole next. Cole, historic Hinkle Fieldhouse, Indianapolis. Do you like the matchup with the Butler Bulldogs for the big East big 12 uh, battle? And then any vibe checks? You know, I like the matchup, definitely some history there. Um, Love to, run up there and get a win. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be making the trip out to that game, Um, but I will be rooting them on from here in the Mile High City, Um, just a stone's throw away uh, from Indianapolis. But vibe check, I don't know. It seems kind of like we haven't really heard much in a while, which – in a weird way, it makes me think that something might be going on that we don't know about in a good way. I've also re- read a little bit about how we've been backing off some guys. So hopefully that means that some guys will be com- committing soon. Um, but definitely need to pick up one or two more solid dudes before we can really feel like we can put a good season together. All right, we're going to go to Drew next. Drew, I saw uh, D.Y. saying that KSO is going to be in Indianapolis. Are you going to make sure you're on that trip, or are you going to have to go down to Arlington a little early because that is the Wednesday before the Big 12 championship game? Uh, if KSA gets to the Big 12 championship game, I think we're going to have to reassess. But like as of right now, like I'd really like to go to Hinkle Fieldhouse um, when – it got announced that K-State was going to go there during the COVID year. Uh, some of my friends and I had planned on going to Hinkle Fieldhouse, or at least we talked about it at one point, just because that's all, that's all on all of our bucket lists for basketball as well. And then any vibe checks, you know, you're working for KSO, anything cooking up that folks don't know about? Um, I mean, I think they're, they're working behind the scenes to get this roster like where they want it to go. I mean, we we reported as well that there have been a few people that they were going after that they've kind of backed off, which kind of has us thinking that something is maybe cooking, but like we, we don't know for sure right now. But I I think everybody should really trust the staff and the process and it's not always about when you get the kids that you get, but it's more about like how you get them and roster fit 
And I don't think that anybody will sit here and say that Iowa State was the most talented team in the world last season. And, like, we, we saw that a couple times. They'd struggled to score 40 a couple times before the NCAA tournament. But roster fit really matters, and I think that they're really taking that into account. All right, and then we're going to end with the guy who is getting the MVP of the night, Callie Mike. Callie Mike, uh, thoughts on the Cats playing historic Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indianapolis versus Butler. And uh, just any any thoughts, the vibe check, and then any final words as the Knights MVP? Wow. Uh, I'm taken aback by the MVP, honestly. I'm, I'm a little sidelined here. Um, the Butler game, um, I'm all about it. Like, you know, let's get these key, you know, non-con matchups. They didn't do so hot last year, but, you know, they uh, obviously have been in the tournament in the past and made a name for themselves at times. Um, they beat OU last year and Creighton. So uh, I'm looking for an exciting game. It's it's good. I'm into it. Um, vibe check. I uh, No negativity on this side. Like, I'm all about this coaching staff. Um, I trust in the process. I think that they're picking the guys that they – definitely want they've missed on some obviously um but i trust that they're going to get the right lineup in um so i'm not worried at all uh so yeah anyway um another great week i love coming to this uh color cast every week and chatting with all you guys i can't wait till we uh schedule something in person some sort of football game or uh away game as scott has mentioned looking forward to it uh love it every week uh, and go cats yes uh folks in the next month or so keep your eyes and ears peeled i'm going to start getting questionnaires and some leg work done for a possible away game excursion at tcu sadly i have to go to a wedding when the cats are at iowa state and that seemed to be the favorite for a lot of folks who were voting in polls, but it just isn't meant to be this year. Maybe in two years we'll do that up in Ames, but keep your eyes peeled. One final shout-out to the Kansas City Catbackers. It'll be Tuesday, May 24th at Shawnee Mission Park, the theater at the park. Gates open at 5, 6.30. The program will start, whatever that means. It is free to all ages. There will be food trucks, drink trucks, all on site, Van Malone, Jerome Tang, and student athletes and other coaches will all be there. So I'm going to be there. It sounds like Hayes might be there. We're going to try to get Joel to be there. If you see me, walk up, say what's up. Uh, don't sucker punch me because I had bad takes on L. Roberson and Larry Brown. I prefer you don't do that, but come up, say hi. We love you guys. Keep your ears peeled for an amazing episode of Trivia on Monday. It is Dan Merker versus myself versus Jimmy Goheen, hosted by Steve Keck. It's a blast. Again, we love you guys unconditionally, and I promise you no matter what's going on in the world, no matter where he is, Grant is always going to be at the cat head. You just got to go find him. to see.
Kumbaya fight. UK State Wildcast form alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcast for alma mater fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. To our colors, we will ever be fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go state! Podcast Network.